Welcome back to the Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Hentrell, your executive coach, and today we're talking about creating devoted followers. Claire sensed that her team wasn't firing on all cylinders. Individually, they were strong. She only hired the highest of high performers. But somehow, they weren't pulling together the way she wanted them to. With a small snort, she said, For as much as I'm paying them, you'd think they'd be able to do this team thing a little better. The feedback I gathered about her was middling. People weren't inflamed and angry with her, but they weren't ignited and inspired by her either. Like her team, the feedback was just okay, certainly not great. During our early sessions, I noticed Claire had what appeared to be an unconscious repeated behavior. In the midst of talking about something, she'd mutter disapprovingly to herself about other people. She'd say words like, you'd think he'd know better, or they didn't have to do that, or what does she expect from me? While these little asides were quick and quiet, they were perfectly audible, and they always seemed to disparage others. One day as we were discussing a new direction for the coaching, she muttered, I thought I'd be farther along by now. When we finished what we were discussing, I asked, How are you feeling about your progress in the coaching, Claire? Well, fine, she said, sounding surprised that I'd asked. Why? Well, a minute ago, you said you thought you'd be farther along by now. Quickly, as if she'd spoken these words before, she said, If that's what I said, I am so sorry. That's not how I feel. Really, it's not. I'm so grateful for the coaching. And then she stopped. She cocked her head and said, Did you hear what I just said, that apology? I hear myself apologizing for things that I've said all the time. I really hate it. Discussing it, Claire recognized a pattern. When she apologized for something she had said, it was likely she had done one of her mutterings not long before. She saw how her tiny habit of muttering was most likely having a negative impact on how people experienced her. Trying to make sense of her habit, she wondered, Do those little comments poison everything else I say? I answered, Poison? No. But color? Yeah, I think so. I think we are all sensitive to the subtle messages we send each other, especially when there's a sense of disapproval. It doesn't create devoted followers. I asked if she'd heard of micro-expressions. In his study of micro-expressions, Dr. Paul Ekman found that although they last a mere quarter of a second, they can convey complex emotions like contempt and pride quite clearly. She said she knew about micro-expressions from the TV show Lie to Me, in which investigators used them to catch criminals. She had assumed the show's science was made up, so she was intrigued to hear that the show was based on Ekman's actual work. I said, I mention micro-expressions because I think we're all sensitive to the tiny messages we send each other. Yours are just a few words. Other people have a little eye roll or a thing with their lips. But people notice those little behaviors, and they assume those are our true feelings leaking out. It colors how they feel about us. With some alarm, she replied, But if I don't even know I'm doing it, how could I ever stop? 
I answered, oh, I think those little behaviors are unconscious. We can't really stop them. Instead, I think it's important to try to manage which messages are being sent. Are they mostly disapproving and dark, or are they welcoming and bright? Claire said, I think my default setting has always been more dark than light. She went on and said, I don't want to send disapproving messages. I'm sure it's terribly discouraging for the people around me, but how in the world would I change my default setting from dark to light? I told her that a great tool to use was made up of just three words. Unconditional positive regard. The famed psychologist Carl Rogers coined the phrase unconditional positive regard in the 1960s. I told her that in my mind, the phrase has always had two different applications. The first application is about others. To build trusting relationships, you must hold the other person in unconditional positive regard. You don't need to agree with what comes out of that person's mouth. But you must allow that whatever does come out of his mouth is worth consideration simply because you hold him in unconditional positive regard. In the most elementary sense, unconditional positive regard means suspending judgment and being open-minded. Claire asked, and that would change my default setting? I assured her that it could. As soon as you try holding other people in unconditional positive regard, your awareness about your default setting spikes. That raised awareness gives you the choice to reset your default if you want to. She looked away, thinking, Well, that sure would be different, she said. Do you really think it would change my team? I answered, I know for a fact that unconditional positive regard can create devoted followers. I see it in my coaching all the time. Can I tell you about a client named Ian? You bet, she said, leaning in. Everyone warned me that Ian was going to be tough, I said. The head of HR told me that Ian didn't want the coaching. His boss said Ian was probably uncoachable. Everyone agreed that Ian was one big dark cloud. They apologized for putting me alone in a room with him. And when we first met, he was argumentative and combative. He told me how stupid everyone around him was, including me. He told me flat out the coaching was a big waste of time. And that was fine. I didn't take it personally. And when he saw that I didn't disapprove of him for attacking me, he lightened up. I said, I didn't agree with him a lot of the time, but I always held him in high regard. And he could feel that. It was a heady experience for him. He wasn't used to being treated with high regard. He was used to being treated as if he was a problem. Claire said, I can relate to that. One of my first bosses didn't hold anyone in positive regard. In her eyes, we were all problems. I asked, and how was it to work for her? Horrible, she answered. I said, I'm sure it was. No one wants to be treated with negative regard. But we do it to each other subtly, and sometimes not so subtly, all the time. Yeah, she said, like the micro-expressions. She took a breath, then said, Do you know where I think my micro-expressions are leaking out? With my teenage sons. They're fine until they sense even the slightest bit of disapproval from me, and then, wham, their ears are shut and I've lost them. Not devoted followers at that point, huh? Oh, man, not at all, she said. 
I need to inject myself with mental Botox when I'm around them. We both laughed. I said, speaking of devoted followers, do you know how it played out with Ian? Far from hating the coaching, he became my biggest advocate. Before we had finished his coaching, he had me coaching two of his direct reports and was saying all his peers should get coaching too. Claire raised her eyebrows. I bet that shocked everyone. They all thought it was a miracle, I agreed. But to me, it was incredibly simple. It was just unconditional, positive regard. It creates devoted followers. I went on, slightly changing the subject. Do you remember I said unconditional, positive regard has always had two applications for me? We've been talking about the first one, treating others with unconditional, positive regard. It's a great goal to aim for. But in my life, the second application has been even harder treating myself with unconditional positive regard. When I try to hold myself in high regard unconditionally, I have to ask if I'm willing to truly accept every thought I have. Will I hold each one of my thoughts in high regard even if I don't like them? I mean, what about when I'm not smart or logical or right? Can I hold myself in high regard even then? Believe me, it's tough. I said to Claire, You know, I can't do it all the time, but when I am able to hold myself in positive regard, it is way easier to hold others in high regard. She replied, I bet the inverse is true, too. If you don't hold yourself in positive regard, it's probably hard to hold anyone else in positive regard. She was thoughtful for a minute and then said, This reminds me of something my grandmother used to tell us. She always said to watch how our boyfriends treated people, you know, their family members or their friends or waiters in restaurants, because however they treated those people would probably mirror how they felt about themselves, and however they felt about themselves is how they'd end up treating us. I agreed, saying, boy, that is my experience too, Claire. People who are constantly critical and can't hold others in high regard usually are pretty punishing to themselves too. They don't have a lot of kindness for others, because they don't have a lot of kindness for themselves. Claire worked at having unconditional positive regard for others and for herself. She found that her awareness of her dark default setting rose almost overnight. She wasn't always able to switch all the way to unconditional positive regard, but she became extremely conscious of how close or far from it she was. And then one day, during a project meeting, she found herself truly welcoming people's ideas. There was no muttering. She said she felt her dark default setting vanish from the room. She said she felt a shift in other people's energy, too. She couldn't sustain unconditional positive regard very long that first day, but she had tasted it, and she liked it. She believed it was a small first step towards creating devoted followers, and I agreed. I also believed it was a big step towards creating the look and sound of leadership. Many of our podcasts, like this one, address issues of managing yourself, because, of course, you are the toughest person you are ever going to manage. Before I mention other podcasts that relate to this one, I want to send out a quick apology and an invitation. Due to a glitch that we still aren't certain that we understand, many subscribers didn't receive last month's podcast. It was called Perception is Reality. I think it's an important addition to the executive coaching tips. If you didn't receive it, 
I encourage you to download it. It had some important ideas in it that I've never addressed before. If this month's podcast intrigued you, four other podcasts you might listen to are Building Rapport, that was posted in January 2011, The Generous Executive, from October 2013, Smoothing Harsh Edges, from December 2006, and Stop Giving Away Your Secrets, from April 2011. Each of those podcasts, and all our others, can be found on the Essential Communications website, EssentialCom.com. That's EssentialCom with two M's dot com. From the homepage, click the navigation button marked Coaching Tips. That'll take you to a free archive of over 100 podcasts. When you're there, you can search the archive by categories that interest you, and one of those categories is Relationship Building. There are more than 45 tips in that category to help you build deep, long-lasting, productive relationships. From the website, you can also download every tip as a PDF to save for yourself or forward to others. Every episode of the podcast is available through our website or through iTunes or Stitcher. Just search for the look and sound of leadership. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.